I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Okay, so we're here again, friends, family, everybody. Today we have an amazing, amazing person with such a great personality, actually somebody who I've really come to adore. Our friend, our family here today is Emmanuel Woolard. I keep wanting to call you Manny though, like, <laughs> I know you like that, and I'm like, who you think you are? That's how I was like, let me say, because I almost like, was like, oh, Manny in the house, but it's like, don't you do that. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can. But you have the thing, it says hi, Yes. right? Yes. Where'd that come from? I'm curious to know about that. So Ed Say Hi was like my Instagram handle and it's from my middle name. So my middle name is Edward. And really? Like, Emmanuel Edward. That's a strong name. Yes. Emmanuel Edward Bullard. And I was like, oh, this would be a really cool like Instagram handle to have. So I was like, okay, Ed Say Hi. Well, I mean, it works. Yeah. Like, I'm with it because I remember when I first thought I was like, oh yeah. Then I'm like, but where did Ed come from? It's Emmanuel. But that makes sense now. Emmanuel Edward. Yeah, that's a strong name. And I love name with ease. I mean, you know, of course. <laughs> I mean, why not? Yeah. I never realized how special we are because there are not a lot of E names. No. I mean, there there are enough to go around, but whenever you hear something, it's an Eve or Evelyn or Eric, Aaron. Like, yeah, but Emmanuel. Like mine is Evangeline. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So what do you want me to call Ed says hi on the show? <laughs> look, okay. <I'm, laughs> you better brand yourself. Look, Emmanuel, no, seriously, look. So again, welcome and thank you for being here. Again, I, I do think that you are awesome. I know when we first talked, we hit it off so much that I was like, let me introduce you to such and such and such and such because, you know, you just need good people. Yeah. But Emmanuel, if you will, please, you know, introduce yourself to the family. Tell us who you are and what do you do? Thank you, Dr. Eve. I love this podcast. My name is Emmanuel Willard and... And I'm a first-gen college graduate. I'm excited that yes, I can call my graduate. Country. Yes, first-gen college graduate um, with a bachelor's in Africana Latina Studies with a minor in Women and Gender Studies. And I'm the second youngest of nine siblings. I'm the youngest boy. And I was born in Brooklyn, New York, in a neighborhood known as Brownsville, Brooklyn. And if anyone knows about Brownsville, Brooklyn, it is a miracle to have made it out. Because oftentimes, no one leaves. No one leaves. So to be an example of that is just like, <laughs> like I'm still reeling on the fact that I now have a piece of paper with a bachelor's degree. And I'm just like, okay, what's next? Yeah. So currently, I'm getting ready to start applying to master's programs for fall 2020 in communication and media studies because I'm really interested in really reshaping and reimagining the world I want to be a part of where Black men are no longer seen as weapons. What do you mean by that? Where 
the automatic assumption isn't, oh, this black man is going to cause violence to me. This black man isn't going to, you know, this black man is not what the stereotype. He's not a drug dealer. He's not a gangbanger. That black men do get degrees. Black men Mm -hmm. are out here and we're not a monolith. We're not things that we're not standing on the street corner outside of a chicken spot. We're not raping. We're not like it is like this is an, uh, an image that I've always seen in my neighborhood. And for a long time, it took me a while to kind of re- reimagine myself outside of that because it was just like, this is all I'm seeing. This is the messaging that I'm seeing that when I come out, I see black men in gang violence. I see black men engage in uh, drug d- trade and I see black men that are not really valued and it only seems to be the messaging that comes from society that says that we are those things and that we are not beyond it and it's just like no we it, I'm a living proof of that and there are so many other black men who are living proofs of just being able to say no we're different we you know we're not all the same do not box us so yeah okay I'm with that is that part of the reason why you pursued your particular degree yes it is um coming into like it was it <laughs> getting to my degree when i graduated from high school in 2008 i did not know where i wanted to go i did not want to do anything but become a professional tennis athlete really and yes 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 that was my first love and still my first love and i really 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 just wanted to play sports and play tennis and my grandmother and a lot of my family members are just like, no, what if you get hurt? Um, you have to have a backup. You have to go to school. And I went to school and it just didn't work. It didn't click. I was also coming to terms with my sexuality. And then in 2010, fall of 2010, uh, going into spring of 2011, I withdrew completely um, because I came out to my family and it wasn't received well. Hmm. And it's interesting you say that it wasn't received well because we have an idea sometimes that you're in the North, you're from New York. Yes. Like, what doesn't go in New York? Not trying to be funny, but New York is such an accepting, embracing place. But you're saying my family was like, nah, uh-uh. Yes, yes. Hmm. It, it was rough because I, I was just in my first relationship and I was just like, okay, like I want to share this with my grandmother and my older sister who are two phenomenal women who have raised me to be the man that I am today. And they were not okay with it. They were just like, this is unacceptable. You're throwing away your life. I thought this was just a phase to the point where it got really, really bad. And I ended up on the street. And that semester I went to class and I was just like, I couldn't do it anymore. So I withdrew completely. And that's when I really hit rock bottom because I was renting a room. I started to stay with my first boyfriend at the time and his mother who was living in a room and it was five of us to a room five of us to a single room and I had to get on welfare food stamps and just in order to survive and I had to make it work so I had to dig deep and really fight from 2011 to 2014 to where when I came back I was like okay how can I get back to myself how can I begin to reimagine like who I am and that's when I discovered Africana Latino studies. I was like, oh, I didn't know we wrote this many books or that we were really ingrained in the fabric of history and that we really are some change agents out here and 
that's what started it. That's what it was. It was kind of like I was looking for ways to heal myself because I felt so abandoned, alone, and I didn't think that I would make it. I never would have imagined seeing myself getting a degree、mm. because it was just like I had to survive. So, did it help? It did. It gave me new life. It it made me recognize that we all have a story, and that you know time is an illusion, and that we should not just be fixed on the fact that okay, you had to take this amount of years off for school, but you had to do that in order to grow. Like you had to hit the bottom and really, really fight your way and claw your way up. But you're now appreciative of the fact that wow, like I was able to uncover. So many things, and then pay it forward. Because for me, it was just like I wanted to become an example of what I didn't have, and I also wanted to become an example and a resource for people who are going through the same situation as me. Okay, I can dig that completely because we tend to want to help those with whom we resonate or we share a particular story, or we have these experiences that change us in a way that we want other people to be better. Who we know have been through or going through what we're going through, right? Because、mm-hmm. I mean, I、true. think about this first gen lounge, and it came from the idea, and I just go back to it every so often to think about the idea is wanting to help others in a way that I wanted or needed to be helped, even, and to be a part of the conversations of helping people to grow and just be better in who they are as first gens with these multiple identities is, is really significant, you know? Yes. I was just going to say it's so. I mean, that's where I paralyzed. It lies in the multiple intersecting identities that we have, and that was one thing that I learned through Africana and Latino studies is that through my intersecting identities of being queer and being black and being male, that that's where my power lies. That that is the, literally what makes me relatable. How I'm able to connect with communities of color, but queer communities, and build bridges rather than burn them. You said build bridges rather than burn them. Yes. Dive into that a little bit more for us. What does that look like? Because that's something that I hadn't really heard put that way before. So it really so on a day to day basis. I always say when I wake up, I have to make sure that I am in community and in collaboration with people who look differently than me. Because there's going to be a point in time where I may need to rely on them because I'm constantly receiving so many messages of why my black male body poses a threat to. The structures and the institutions that we have within our society, and for me, building what I did throughout undergrad was because I was attended a predominantly white institution in SUNY Oneonta. It was important to connect with others who I may not have, who I may have been told to be weary of, to be like, oh, like no, you need to stay within your your cluster of community of color. And I'm just like that. That creates a fixed perspective rather than a broader perspective, and I need a broader perspective in order to survive. And that was kind of how it was just like, okay, no, I need, I need to build bridges because I've been conditioned to burn them.、Mm, so how do you build bridges when you're conditioned to burn them? How do you navigate that? That's that. It's a change of personality, a change of character, even you know, a change of thought process. It's a change. It was uncomfortable, but I knew in order for me to grow, I had to be uncomfortable. I had to be uncomfortable with going there, and I began to put myself in spaces that I never would have thought I would. Have enjoyed. So it was becoming a resident advisor, working for the Gender and Sexuality Research Center. It was becoming an orientation leader, where I knew that these spaces did not have many people of color who have my mindset. And because everyone was focused in that environment, they were focused on being the token, and I didn't want to be the token. 
I wanted to be the example of what I did not see so that others who look like me and come from my background could also do the same thing. And it just required that I go into those spaces and I'd be disruptive. Mm, Go into those spaces and be disruptive. It's interesting that you have this level of confidence and it's interesting that you have this level of certainty. And I'm saying that not as an insult, but from the perspective of there are so many of us who are first generation who are timid and shy and afraid because we've never been here before. We've never done this before. So what I'm so in love with right now is your level of I'm here and I'm showing up. Where do you think you got that from? Because it's not like, you know, and and what I gathered from even our previous conversations that people really pouring into you and really kind of giving you what you needed to be able to say I'm here. I mean, even the fact of you having, you know, come out to your family and been rejected, that's just another blow. So what is it that's done that for you, especially for those individuals who are, you know, dealing with or struggling with feeling like they're worthy and, and confident and enough? Because that's such a really big part of the first and identity is some, the feeling of imposture. So I'm really thrilled by what you shared. I would say it's a tribe of black women who poured mm. into me and kept me accountable. The reason why I am the way that I am and have accomplished all that I've accomplished is because I stand on the shoulders of black women. Mm. It was my grandmother, my oldest sister, my mentor at community college, Bronx Community College, Sarala Stout. It was the director of the Gender and Sexual Resource Center, Dr. Muda Gilbert, who really kind of just made sure that, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to allow the world to throw you away. So I'm going to make sure that you know that there's power within you and keep you accountable to making sure that everything that I'm pouring back into you, this life that I'm pouring back into you, that you go ahead and pay it for because it is necessary for not only your survival, but the survival of us all. So Black women, I give all my praise to Black women because I wouldn't be here. Mm. You better love us. <laughs> no, but I, I'm really, I'm really grateful for that, and that's powerful because, again, you think about the idea of you being this black man, and you're saying it's, it's black women that did it for me, who protected me, who helped me. That's something else. Have you had any black men ever in your life to come along and be of good support, even you know, with your sexual identity? Uh, not yet, not yet, and I think. Because there are so many things that Black men have to unlearn about when it comes to being gay and Black. I think that has probably been the most frustrating because I haven't had those experiences. I look for those experiences, but I haven't had them. And even in queer male of color, it's been very hard finding those men to say, hey, I'm interested and invested in you. Hmm. It it is always as if there's there's a fear and I can't seem to pinpoint it. But what I try to do is because I haven't found that yet, what I try to do is I try to be that example for others who are younger than me, who may be my peers, which is like I just try to encourage them and build community with them, no matter how resistant they may be to me. Well, you know, I think that sometimes that's how you heal as well, by helping others and becoming who you needed. Because I can say in the things that I've been doing with this platform, you know, from speaking engagements to writing the book to the podcast, it feels healing for me in so many ways to be able to help others and say, it's okay, you're good and I got you. So 
you know, so I guess all in perspective, you know, what you say to be that person. So I'm glad that you're assuming that role for the next young man, the young man of color who comes along and is like, hey, who's going to be in the corner for me? Who's going to stand beside me and, and help me through this? You know, so that's really that's really dope. I want to ask you like really quickly, what are you doing now in terms of your career and and going to school? I mean, I know you said you had something on the table, but how have you been able to now just transition through everything? So. It's interesting because right now life has seemed to happen where earlier this year my grandmother suffered a stroke and I had to step in as a caregiver. So my role has shifted in terms of what I'm now responsible for, which it's interesting because I now have a new perspective on life, but I'm also a lot more hungrier and fearless in my pursuit of making a difference. And I feel I can do that through education. Right now, it's looking at ways to build that foundation because I am looking to branch into a new industry in communications and media. And I know that I don't come from that background by having the traditional degree in that, but I have the perspective and I have the experience and I have the background of Africana and Latino studies to give me an edge and also the opportunity to be like, hey, like, let's, let's reimagine how we want to interact in the world. And I think, you know, earning my master's in communication and media studies gives me a leverage, like a chip to leverage. That when I get into those spaces where I'm just like, hey, like I may not have a formal degree in undergrad in communications, but I'm earning my master's in it because I'm committed to this work and I'm interested in creating change while also making sure that I'm present and available to help and stabilize my grandmother because I, it's interesting being in this position because it's like, what does it look like when the strongest person that you know and the shoulder in which you stand is now reaching a close at their life? Hmm. How do you navigate those emotions? How do you navigate that? Day by day. Day by day, sometimes I'm, you know, heartbroken because I witness it and I see it. And I'm just like, you know what? There needs to be more resources for our aging. And we're all aging. And then I'm like, you know what? I want to make sure that I can always keep a smile on her face, you know, even as we, you know, near the end. Which I'm just like, you know what? As long as I give her the opportunity to see me earn my PhD, I'm cool. I want to give her that because me having a bachelor's is because of her. I can dig that too. My grandparents were very instrumental in my life. I, I mean, I grew up in their house for some part of my life. And even when I got older, I was still with them like all the time because them was my homies. And so, you know, like, I, I love my grandsons. And so it, it essentially leads me to really being drawn to those who are elderly. And I started saying elderly again, not seasoned, because I actually heard there was some negative connotation behind seasoned, actually. So, yeah. So and, and I can dig that that it's, it's a beautiful thing for you to be the one to be there for her of all people because of the responsibility that she had to you. But not just that to come back around and be able to pay it back to her in a way that money will never be able to do. Um, yeah. It's the time and the energy. Thinking about just being a first gen, though, is it something that, you know, you see as a, I don't know, what's the, the best way? Because it's, it's not a negative thing, but the responsibility to take care of family. How has that, you know, really impacted what your your goals were? You know, the things that you wanted to do? Because, again, you said there is nine siblings and you're the second youngest. So it's just like everybody else is living their life. Do you know, ever feel like sometimes being first gen is and having that family commitment has kind of made you slow down a little bit or have to change paths in ways that you didn't think you'd have to? Yes, it really has. Initially, in the beginning, when it happened, I had got it 
accepted to SUNY Albany's master's program in Africana Studies. And that was one of the main reasons that I deferred. Part of the reason was because I was like, okay, I'm really interested in communications. And I'm just like, you know what, let me defer. But then also when her health started deteriorating, I'm just like, I need to be present because no one else will. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. being the second youngest of nine, it's unfortunate that I only have a solid relationship with the oldest. And part of that goes to my upbringing and what I've had to overcome because it was nine of us, but we all weren't raised to be together. We had to kind of create that as adults. And that's what I'm doing, where it's just like I found myself trying to reach back out and break the cycle. What does it look like to break the cycle as the youngest? To break that generational cycle of trauma where you feel like you have to accommodate it. And it's just like, no, I want us all to be able to have a healthier way of living. And I'm going to do that by being present and available for those that need me. I'm with it. I remember when I was about to graduate from school, me even leaving to go off to school, period, I struggled a little bit with, do I leave home and not help my mom? Because, you know, it's important to me to make sure that she's okay. Like, in spite of the fact that it was a response Responsibility, even at a young age, it was like, but this is mom dukes, you know, like you got to help her make sure she's okay. That's what you do with family. Right. And I struggled with myself when I got ready to go to Mississippi, in spite of the fact that it was exciting opportunity and I was going to have a career and all these other things. It was more or less that I was continuing to go and go forward. But I had this thought, you know, in all transparency that I didn't want to go home because I didn't want my family to hold me back. And I said it to my mom when she was like, ain't nobody holding you back. <laughs> but it was more or less a thing that just feeling like if I were to go home and stuff would happen, that, you know, I would be the one that would have to show up. And not because they would say you have to show up, but because it's just who I am as a person, knowing that, you know, showing up is important. And um, I ended up, you know, going away anyway, because I felt like I needed to see what else was out there in the world. And so fortunately, my family encouraged it because my mom had actually gotten sick the same year that I left. And and yeah, so imagine. So I, I'm, I've been where you are, and I know to be at the crossroads. And for me, if it had not been for my mom to say, "Baby, listen, I have lived my life, and you have to live yours. There's nothing that you can do being here. There's nothing that you know is going to change with you just being here. You gotta go. You gotta go. So go. Don't, don't worry about me. And if my mom had said anything other, in spite of what everybody else was saying, oh, stay home. Oh, do this, do that. If my mom was the one to say. Denise is my middle name. Denise, just go. I wouldn't have gone. Um, So we think about how encouraging it is to have families that encourage us to go. You know, like your grandma really was pushing for that. But the flip side is she needed you and you were able to show up for her. But it wasn't too much of a sacrifice to make, although we do have to sometimes change paths. How cool of it is you to say, I'm good and everything's still going to work itself out for me regardless. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know we kind of just kind of went kind of went there we got kind of deep even really personal but it's it's our first gen story because there is no straight path right no not at all and it's necessary because i think there's so many other people who are going through similar situations who just don't have the language of knowing that how you move throughout the world and how you navigate is totally up to you your path is your path mm, would you say would you say it again oh my gosh yeah <laughs> say it again for us Yes. How you navigate the world is up to you. Your path is your path. That is that is that that is your power. Like we like we get the messaging. It's just like oh, you know, you have to have this by this age. You have to do this by this age, and not even you know talking about the fact that there's a gendered expectation. No, scratch all of that. 
Like you move when you want to move. If you don't feel it's in your heart to do, take the time that is necessary to get back to you because that's what it's all about. Like it's getting back to us intimately. Like how do we get back to us and make sure that, you know, things that we're still going to achieve as long as we're moving forward, we're always going to achieve. So it's like, we need to be able to take care of ourselves. I believe if I'm not okay, if I'm depleted, I can't be a service to anybody else. Absolutely. So then how do you plan for your bounce back? Let me ask you that because it has been so, you know, many things that have come up. And I know even at one point we talked about you going to grad school and what you're going to do and just kind of what you're thinking and feeling. Take a break, keep going. So many things to consider, right? How do you, again, how do you plan for your bounce back? Because for you, you've had to change course a little bit. What is your advice even for somebody who's having to do the same thing? Small steps, small steps forward, because I really believe progress is progress no matter how you look at it. Small step forward. And that's why, you know, no matter how hectic my days can be, I'm always working on, you know, whether it's tailoring my graduate school application for fall 2020, studying for the GRE and making sure that I am present and available to tackle the vocabulary and the math or working creatively to be like, you know, well, what would it look like to, to create a website to where I am using my life and my story as an example of how you can also achieve the same thing? Small steps actively just working and moving forward is because progress is progress that is i've shared this with so many people progress is progress no matter how you look at it no matter if you just wrote a a single word on the page that's still progress a single word on the page is still progress you gotta say that (laughs) Um, because it's because that one word becomes the next word that becomes a sentence that becomes the paragraph that becomes the page you know yes I felt that. I got that. I got that. I'm with that. I had to, you know, break it on, break it on down because it's breaking it down. It's, it's a start. Hey, pulling out the papers, progress. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it, type type in the first word. It, it is all progress is progress, and I'm glad that you mentioned it because as first gens, we have to be reminded that, like you talked about resilience and having to bounce back. You know, the setback is the setup sometimes, and yeah. for you, you even have more time now to navigate some of your thoughts and feelings about your graduate school experience. About how this is going to play, you know, into the communication aspect, get yourself into the industry to evolve. And the thing I don't think we appreciate enough is the process of yes. coming. And yes. so you just blankly saying that it's in taking small steps, but also enjoying that process. It's an advantage to not have to rush. Yes. We rush and we rush and we rush. But I'm like, what are we rushing for? What yeah. are we trying? What, what is getting to the goal, you know, in six months versus a year? What's really going to change? What's going to be different? What's going to be so much better or worse? You know, can we dissect that a little bit more but but yeah what would you say has been um your biggest lesson learned in adulthood and as a first gen adult i would probably say sometimes life will force you to be still Mm. and that is something that i've had to really be okay with because i like to say i'm recovering type a (laughs) and you know for me being still feels like I'm not achieving anything. But life has forced me to be still because it's it's forced me to take a second to be aware of my surroundings, to the beauty and the fact that, you know, I have the ability to just walk in the park and take take a second for myself to breathe. I'll say that to really just breathe rather than being like, okay, I need to be on autopilot and I need to achieve this and I need to do this and I need to do this. And I'm always focused on the next deadline rather than life just being like, no, absolutely. You got to stop. You have to stop because what are you doing is you're not being in service to anyone at all, but time. Right. 
And if time is that illusion, then you'll achieve it when you'll achieve it. I need you to be present and available for what's happening around you in the moment so that you can enjoy it. I hope they got that. <laughs> being being present gosh you know being present takes away so much of our worry of what happened and what was happening just being here so i'm absolutely with that i cannot believe we have been talking this long yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i did a look up and, and i like that this has been one of those refreshing conversations reflective in in what it is I, I like to go deep and i think that we've really done that today in ways that it I can feel it on the spiritual level. That's what yes. I'm saying as well. But man, but I mean, that we're at this point, what are some of your final thoughts? What are some of the things that you want to leave us with to have us carry within us for the rest of our lives? Never give up. I think this was something that I wrote down years ago and I find myself doing it. Aspire to inspire. No matter how you interpret the meaning, the phrase, like aspire to inspire the way that you see fit is something that I'm just like, if you keep that at the forefront of your mind, you'll be surprised at what you can accomplish because you'll begin to walk in your power and just your existence, your presence is enough to disrupt a lot of what we see in the world and begin to pour back into people in ways that you never thought you could have imagined. And I, I would actually like it, even just this opportunity, connecting with you, Dr. Eve, has been phenomenal. I'm always writing down each episode, nuggets that you share, the guests share. I'm just like, oh no, this is like from last, <laughs> I'll say from last episode, there was a, a gentleman that you had where he had said something I was like, oh, yes, that's because, you know, self-care. What does it look like for mm. self-care? And mm. I was just dialed into it. Being present and available was like, self-care is, you know, the ability to create a life you don't have to escape from. And I was like, what? I broke that down. <laughs> I shared it with everyone that I could get a hold of because it was so true. Mm. It was like so true. So even this opportunity just to, you know, talk with you is aspiring to inspire hmm. and this platform is aspiring to inspire hmm. and I'm so appreciative because I I stand on your shoulder like I it, I, it you again what I lo I love black women I love black women it is black women have saved me even when I couldn't save myself mm, wow let me tell you how grateful I am for you for sharing that because it's nice you know just in being full fully transparent it's nice to know that my living isn't in vain yes that's how it feels. It's nice to know that even those who are coming onto the show, who are sharing their stories, are feeding into other people like yourself and that we're all getting something and growing from it in some kind of way. So thank you for that. Thank you for your willingness to connect. Thank you for reaching out even and, and for what you bring to this community, for being a part of it. I am grateful to you for that. I mean, in so many ways, because you don't have to. You don't have to be here. You don't have to engage. You don't have to do any of it, but you do. And I'm extremely grateful for that. So thank you, Emmanuel, so very much. Man, I'm like, I'm all, I'm all touch right now. Like, yeah, she's just like, oh, how did we go there? And it just, yeah, it's one of those days and, that, you know, you just feel it, right? You just feel it. But I would love for others to be able to get in touch with you. Where on the internet would you like to be found? You can find me on Instagram at edsayhi, E-D-S-A-Y-H-I. You can also connect with me via email. Um, my email address is e.ed dot w o o l a r d at gmail.com 
Awesome. Well, I do hope that others are going to connect with you. I'm sure they will. Somebody definitely reach out at some point. Um, But again, Emmanuel, thank you so much for your time, for your thoughts, for your reflection, for your truth, your authenticity, for owning this damn space. Yes. And making it all yours and for not fearing what is for you. You are awesome. And I look forward to seeing all the wonderful things you do. And like I tell all our guests, because it's true, whatever you need, we got you back. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're so very welcome. Until the next time, friend, take it easy. <laughs> Did you go mm, at any point during this session? If so, then go ahead and subscribe, then uplift friends, colleagues, and students by sharing the show. Also, don't miss out on exclusive insights that I only share via email by joining the First Gen family at www.thepurposeprofessor.com forward slash family. I know I said a whole lot, so I'm going to drop a link in the show notes. Now, until the next time, don't forget to be resilient, authentic, and intentional in all that you do. And no matter what, keep pressing forward.